Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosek, and a great pleasure to welcome back Frank Marinko for podcast two in our series of podcasts on immunity to change. Frank is an executive coach and facilitator at Empathinko and Passaway. Uh, welcome again to Viewpoints for this uh, podcast two in this very interesting series on immunity to change. Frank Marinko. G'day, Henry, and good day to your listeners. It's a, it's a great day. Now, welcome to this podcast episode where you will tackle the language of complaints and flip it on its head to the language of commitment. Interesting. I Frank. sure will. Yes, I sure will. So let's get down to it, shall we? Absolutely, Frank. All right. So, Henry, picture this. You're in a work setting and things aren't exactly hunky-dory. Uh, you have situations like that at work, Henry? Yes, unfortunately, Frank, they <laughs> happen on a recurring basis. It's, um, the sun shines. I always work on the principle. The sun will shine again even when it's not. And it uh, there's always challenges. There's, there's things always happening in, in schools and organisations. And yes, um, I think being able to pivot and understanding that there'll always be a new challenge and ones that sometimes really test us is part for the course it sure is now here's the 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 conundrum if you had the power to change some stuff and make it more supportive of your personal development at work or even at home what would those things be and don't hold back and don't hold back listeners you know i don't care if it seems reasonable or likely to happen just let your thoughts flow and if you've got a pencil or a pen handy write this stuff down so henry do you have a response? If you had the power to change some stuff at work or at home and make it more supportive of your personal development? At work, what I would like to change is, I guess, the starting point would be the ability to be more innovative and flexible at work, creative. Um, at times, it feels like we're working in a straitjacket. Now, I do understand in a, in a system-wide education system, there are requirements for consistency that the Minister for Education and the department need to have. But at times, I feel as though those, those uh, constraints are prevent us from being as creative and innovative as we would. So a little more autonomy in in decision-making about what and how we teach things would go down well with me. Fantastic. So, you know, just listening to that complaint about the need for more autonomy um, with regards to some of the decisions that you make. So I've got some examples from my work in other organisations when I ask this question. And, you know, I've got uh, five examples. So as you listen to them, see where it, it uh, resonates with you and your workplace. And my ex first example was, Frank, you won't believe it, but it's like a bunch of bloody strangers in our workplace. Instead of having a yarn with each other, people love to yap about each other. Mm. It's a mess of dysfunctional gossip and tearing each other down behind their backs. And so when folks have issues, they don't have the guts to talk it out face to face. Now, they'd rather gab with someone else about it. Now, the second response was, and you know what? We hardly ever get a fair go to have a real conversation about the important stuff at work. It's like we're stuffed in this never-ending cycle of small talk. Now, I got a laugh out of this one, this next one, Henry. Yes. Um, the, uh, one of the responses I got was, 
look, Frank, if my boss were to cark it, pack up and get a promotion or go to another department, I reckon that would be a fantastic boost for my growth and development. <laughs> and another another said, truth be told, I just need a couple of me's working for me, pulling their weight just like I do for my boss. And, you know, one of the perennial complaints is, and you know what the real issue is, mate? Time. If only I had more of it, everything would fall into place. So you won't believe how often our question brings out the same old language, full of complaints, disappointments, and criticisms. It's like a broken record. You know, people go on and on whinging and wishing, if only, I just wish, if this once, why can't we, he or she? It's bloody astonishingly how easily we slip into this familiar language of gripes and complaints. So when we ask folks how they reckon they would be better supported at work, it's like opening this floodgate of grumbles uh, accompanied by feeble wishes and hopeful dreams. But think about the things that really grind your gears at work. And that stuff that holds you back and makes it harder for you to grow. If those things happened less often, how would it support you with your development? Henry, if that stuff that really grinds your gears at work happened less often um, and you were more supported in your development, um, how would things look? Oh, they'd look much better, Frank. Uh, and, and invariably, I think uh, while I was thinking through that question, one of one of the areas that really gripes me is at times we're compelled to... Um, do things that are at odds with our deep inner values. Uh, it's a thing called cognitive dissonance where uh, you, you, you believe one thing and believe in doing this, but you're forced to do other things. And there's a fair whack of our work that mm. doesn't relate to educational leadership. It relates to simply administrative organisational management, ticking boxes. And I know talking to my staff and people in other schools too, um, one of the reasons we've got this exodus of people from the profession is uh, that term cognitive dissonance they want to putting it bluntly teachers want to get on with teaching not filling in forms compliance this accountability that a lot of their time is chewed up with that which then creates uh, burnout through work overload because getting to their teaching stuff preparing that and delivering it uh, is always sort of pushed at the end of all of this other work that they've got to do at some time in a day that's only 24 hours long Mm. Yeah, look, Henry, I know we're all different and, you know, your thoughts not, might not match the examples I gave, but let me tell you, when we ask this question, generally it's like opening up this never-ending stream of negativity. Now, complaining might be a common language form, but it's not going to help us transform and grow. It's just like a weed that keeps spreading. But here's the thing. Beneath all of that complaining, there's this hidden river of caring. And that's about what we truly value and are committed to. So as leaders, we need to create an environment where people can explore the transformational potential of their complaints and disappointments. We need to foster open, honest communication beyond the surface level grumbling. So... Henry, here's a question for you and and your listeners. Mm -hmm. What 
commitments or convictions are implied in your response to that first question? You know, if you had the power to change all that stuff and make it more supportive of your personal development, what would those things be and what do you value or find important? It's a good. It's a good thing. I would. Uh, I would uh, change the situation uh, whereby I had more time to meet with my staff and have and the staff to meet and have open-ended conversations about uh, our well-being and our practice and collectively uh, come up with solutions to those to make our work more enjoyable and more relevant to why we went into the profession. Yep. And, you know, if you took a moment to complete this sentence, and, and so the, the, the sentence is, I am committed to the value or the importance of, what would you state out of the, the earlier complaints that you had? What are you committed to the value and importance of in your workplace? Collaborative decision-making, uh, powered, distributed uh, teaching and leadership. Yeah, fantastic. And this is where we start building our mental machine. You know, so listeners, grab that pen and paper and create, you know, a four-column grid. And in the first column, write down your commitment statement. And it's just, I am committed to the value or the importance of, and then whatever comes after that. So remember, these commitments represent something that you genuinely hold dear, but might not be fully realized yet. So we're shifting from the world of complaints to a world of commitment. We're using complaints as a gateway to identify and give voice to what really matters to us. And we build this gateway by identifying not only what we can't stand, but also the commitments that we're ready to stand for. Now, we didn't turn our back on our complaints. On the contrary, we turn directly to them and pass through them to reach that world of commitment on the other side. And that world of, of complaint is such a highly populated and unproductive one at work. So rather than seeing it as a problem to be solved or a block to be dissolved or even a virus to be killed, we invite leaders to make use of this enormous energy available here in the workplace by seeing complaints as a gateway to a less populated and far more productive world of identifying and giving voice to our personal commitments at work. So, you know, I say, let's embrace this transformative language journey together. So in the upcoming episodes, Henry, we'll introduce you to more rare but sustainable language forms and then guide you to building your personal mental machine. So get ready to unlock your true potential and to positively impact your workplace. It's, uh, that, that's, uh, it's just the language that makes such a difference too, isn't it, Frank? It's the words we use, the tone of our voice. Um, listening to you in that last uh, part of that uh, discussion, there's an energy in your voice and a hopefulness uh, in, in, in your direction. And uh, as you know, I've been chatting with, uh, with some, some colleagues of mine about where's our profession at the moment and there's so much doom and gloom around and there's mm. a lot of indicators that that say yes 
things are bad and uh, where's the light at the end of the tunnel? But at the end of the day, Frank, and I think you and I have discussed this, we have a choice and, and this podcast resonates with it. We have a choice, putting it very simplistically. It's either there is hope or there is no hope. And if there is no hope, uh, then, well, we might as well just give up and crawl away. Um, but that's not how humanity has survived and often thrived and developed over the course of humanity. There are always people with vision and hope. Um, and if you have hope, as you said here, you can be creative. Um, you come up with ideas. And I'll tell you what, Frank, it sure feels better thinking that there's a chance for a better world than thinking there isn't a chance whether you can see it or not. So thank you so much. Oh, Henry, it's absolutely my pleasure. You know, um, if we could get more people to delve into that um, unexplored world of complaints and actually through the other side, see what people are really committed to, uh, then we've got a chance of really getting some traction, but having people included without feeling as though there's something wrong with me that I've got this complaint. So stay tuned for more and we'll catch you later. That was Frank Marinko, executive coach and facilitator at Empathinko and Pass Away. That was podcast two, listeners, in this series on immunity to change. Um, we'll be up with our next one next week. And uh, by the end of this series, let's hope that uh, it's an immunity to a lack of change. <laughs>